Welcome to episode five of the We'll Bring the Popcorn Entertainment Podcast. I'm Brad, this is Josh, and there's a lot to talk about this week. There really was. There, there was so much going on this week. But one of the things we wanted to do to start this week's episode it, off with is to pay condolences and respects to the passing of legendary actor Carl Weathers. So Carl Weathers is you know, known for iconic roles such as Apollo Creed in the Rocky films. He was in Predator. He was Chubbs in Happy Gilmore. Like He was Grief, Karga, and Mandalorian. Like, he was in so many different things over the years, and it, it was really sad that, you know, it was really sad to see that he passed away this week. Yeah, definitely a sad thing. Passed away in his sleep at 76. Um, you know, we were looking forward to more of him in The Mandalorian. He played his character in that really well. That brought in, you know, new generation knowing who he was. He started as an athlete, which his first NFL game was against our, our Cincinnati Bengals, which yep. was kind of a, a neat little thing to see when looking back on his life there. But, yeah, I mean, as a kid of the 80s and 90s and, you know, into my teens and everything else, seeing stuff like a, the Rocky films and – um, Predator and Happy Gilmore and everything with him. He added just such great fun to each role that he went into. And of course, he was gigantic beast and sure <laughs> as Apollo and mm -hmm. as um, as in Predator. Of course, a legendary handshake yeah. that happened and everything. So, yeah, definitely giving our condolences and everything to his family, friends, coworkers, everybody who knew him. Like it's it's definitely a sad thing to see someone go, and but it, at least it looked like he went peacefully. Absolutely. So rest in peace to a true king and uh, Carl Weathers, for sure. For sure. See, outside of with Carl Weathers passing here, we had some interesting news that happened. Uh, one of the big announcements, which we it's been in construction for a while now, but we got more details on, is Universal Orlando's new Epic Universe Park, which will be featuring... Uh, five different areas, you know, all of them movie related. Other than their one area, this they call Celestial Park, which mm -hmm. is more of your uh, general walking, general area outside the park. But we're seeing um, the Dark Universe branding coming back, which is their, you know, horror with Dracula and Frankenstein and the Wolfman and all that. You know, they tried to bring that universe back in film with Tom Cruise's mummy that didn't work out very well. And they've kind of abandoned it since then. Mm -hmm. uh, maybe with Godzilla minus one showing how monster movies and stuff can do well again, maybe they'll try again, but we have a whole dark universe area for all the horror fans and everybody. And, but they didn't, they didn't give us much details on what you can expect there. So I'm interesting to see what kind of ride, what kind of, shows or something else that might be maybe that'll be a big show area that will have a horror type show which they have a horror makeup show at the current universal resort but they didn't give a whole lot of details on that um the other land that my kids are extremely excited about is the how to train your dragon land so they've already shown there's going to be a big ride and heavily detailed themed area which I, I can't wait to get my kids down there to do that which they also have uh, filming now, live action version of How to Train Your Dragon is in the works. I love that. So, at that land, that that's going to be the most popular one with the kids. Now, for those maybe a little older, getting you know, they've expanded the Harry Potter land again. Mm -hmm. yep. So now we have the Ministry of Magic area coming to the Epic Universe Park, which. Um, this is said to combine what we saw of the Ministry of Magic in the Harry Potter films, along with the Fantastic Beast films, you know, that takes past, place in the past. So we're going to get a combination of those two worlds. So maybe we'll see beasts popping up around or we'll get a few areas. But um, that also has a top secret ride that they didn't want to talk about. So they said it'd be something that they're so excited about, but we don't want to spill anything. As, as Harry Potter fans, uh, you know, it is exciting to have another land to go into. And I'm curious to see how they... Combine Fantastic Beast time period with the more modern time period of the Harry Potter movies, which have still had that old school kind of feeling to it. But how they combine those two now same but different universes together for this new section. I'm really excited about it, though, because like it, the, the theme parks, the, the stuff that they're doing with theme parks now is like amazing, right? So there's mm -hmm. some really cool interactive, like they're trying to make these more interactive experiences for people to kind of get the most bang for your buck. Because obviously it's all going to be very expensive and, you know, 
not to take any of that lightly, but the the value they're giving you for your dollar is going to be amazing. Like they, they talk about how it's this central hub that branches out into each of these worlds, right? So it's like a portal into each into each land. Like I know you mentioned the Harry Potter one, the one I'm also interested in, and they've already got it in the one in California, is the Super Nintendo world yep. that's coming there and how much different, if any, it's going to be from the one in California. Because, you know, with California, there's a little bit more limited space, but you've got a lot more room to work with in the in the Florida one, like what all's being added to it, if anything, to make it, you know, more expansive for that too. But it, it's pretty cool. Cause they talk about like having this, like you said, this centralized located like world that branches off to these other worlds. Mm-hmm. And like you could spend three to four days in these, in this one area and not see everything. Like mm-hmm. it's insane. The amount of stuff that they're putting into it, like the, how to train your dragon part. Like you mentioned, like kids are going to love it, but adults are going to love it too. Oh, yeah. Cause I mean, they were teasing like having actual dragons in some shape or form, like not not real dragons, obviously. What? Sorry, he Drag- doesn't he doesn't know. But dragons are weak. <clears throat> sure, they are, buddy. <laughs> but <laughs> but yeah, like like all this all this all this stuff that they're adding is is it sounds amazing, and I'm mm-hmm. like I believe it's opening next year. Yeah, it's it's. Said for 2025, they haven't given a solid date yet. It's still under construction, it's still working on stuff. And like you mentioned, Super Mario or Super Nintendo World, you know, that was added to an existing park. This is a brand new park that is completely separate away from the other. I don't, I don't know how far away it is. I think it's in the same general area, but it is not connected to the other universal parks. They actually have, um, which I don't think any other park exactly has, they have them close. They have a hotel that is part of yep. the theme park too Mm -hmm. so that's going to be interesting to see that you could be in your hotel room which they're going to charge a premium for those rooms that overlook the park like but it's going to be interesting to see how they're bringing all these universes because it is really getting into these more immersive lands have really done well like the two harry potter lands at the current universal theme parks you walk into Diagon Alley for the first time and you are, if you're a big Harry Potter fan, you're taken aback because it's like, I'm in Diagon Alley. Like once you get out of that entrance and you don't see the rest of the park, you're here and you get on the train and you ride the Hogwarts Express to the other side and you come out in Hogsmeade. Like it is a very immersive way to have these properties. So that's why we're really interested to see how they do that with the monster universe and, you know, the dark universe, how they bring the, how to train your dragon with all that and how, how the theming really is going to play big. And I, I love that aspect of portal. So that once you walk through that portal, it's going to be very similar that I feel that they did with Diagon Alley, that you're in this world. Now you're out of the park and it's the same as Disney did with, um, Galaxy's Edge. Mm-hmm. Once you walk through that entranceway and you're in that land, you're transported into a new world. And I, sure. I love that aspect that mm-hmm. it's given you such a whole new feel of being in these movie and TV universes that you've been a part of. Now Absolutely. you're inside of them and getting to experience them. So it's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, I'm, I'm, the horror one is, is particularly exciting for me just because it is, they mentioned it's going to be like a throwback to all of the old school you know Frankenstein, the Mummy, the Werewolf, like like all of these all of these classic horror characters, and you know they're notorious for doing their Halloween horror nights mm-hmm. down there already in October, and I'm curious to see once that gets implemented too, like how that's going to be incorporated into everything they mm-hmm. do for that park as well, and it's going to be a fun as somebody who loves old school horror, old school horror, like I'm very excited to see how interactive that park's going to be. Everything they're going to put into because they didn't they didn't give away a ton of what they're doing specifically. They've got really no yet. details about that part of it. No, which I'm very excited for because mm-hmm. I, I have a feeling they could they have an opportunity to do something really fun and really cool, and I'm I'm definitely excited to see. You could make it Halloween all year long with haunted houses it, it with be. the monsters. Yeah. You could have stage shows. You could have specific rides. Like it it is really interesting because they didn't give us any information on how that world is going to be, how that portal that you go into for that one is going to be so that's you know they gave us quite a bit for everything else but they're, they're still kind of hush hush on that but yeah I'm, I'm looking forward to see how they do all these worlds and this park when it opens next year you know it might be a year before after it opens before i go because it's going to be insanely packed but i'm really looking forward to checking that out and seeing how all these film universes and 
you know, TV universe because How to Train Your Dragons had animated series and you've had, um, you know, Harry Potter's now becoming a TV series. I see yep. how they incorporate all these properties into this new theme park. It's a, it's a lot of fun. It's, it's going to be, uh, it's, it's going to be really fun, uh, when it, when it's all done and you start seeing videos from people and, you know, they start doing the unveilings for all of the lands. It's, it's going to be, it's going to be a lot of fun mm-hmm. for sure. Uh, my, my hope is that, they keep it reasonably priced because you know it's not going to be cheap, right? Going to that is very expensive, as we all know. But yep. hopefully, being able to keep that affordable to where families can enjoy it too, without really breaking the bank too much. Because mm-hmm. it, it, at the end of the day, we've seen when some of these get a little too ambitious, that it starts pricing people out. A good majority of people that would probably love to pay for this experience but can't do it. Like thinking specifically about the Star Wars you know, interactive experience hotel that they yep. shuttered after what, two years because which we never got to do. We yeah. wanted to do because it looked amazing, but it was like, even for just us as two guys going without my family or anything, it was going to be almost 4,000, four or $5,000 to do two nights day. And it was just to get the flights and go down there. They just priced themselves out, which I, I am interested now because Disney announced with that, that construction is beginning again on it. They've got permits and say they're doing something with it. And, you know, my thoughts is that they're going to turn it into a full-fledged resort that all Star Wars themed and that you can stay in, but they're going to get rid of the interactive, the stories, the characters. So I would at least hope if they keep the restaurant that they keep themed actors and stuff in there. So you at least have one space that people are really into. You're seeing Twi'leks and other sure characters within there but they're doing something with it now but they yeah they completely priced that thing out like once the uber rich and those who racked up their credit card debt to go were done they weren't getting people coming back so hopefully universal sees that and make sure the hotel and the park is at least reasonable for people to go absolutely so we'll have we'll have more on that as they uh as they give out more information for sure yeah. But uh, speaking of pricing out, <laughs> could they kind of get like not too awkward of a transition? But this week, Amazon uh, rolled out a new two ninety nine ad free tier for their Prime Video services, which was uh, kind of interesting because it's always been included if you're an Amazon Prime member. I don't remember how much it costs if you're not per month, but we've had Amazon Prime forever anyway. Mm-hmm. But now that they've rolled this out, kind of, uh, I. I I watch it fairly regularly, but I, I was unaware that they were even implementing something like this till I happened to load my app up, and it was like, hey, you know, you've been enjoying ad-free stuff, but now it's going to cost you $3 a month to go ad-free now. Like, are you willing to pay three an extra 3 bucks a month for no ads? I mean, it, it's only 3 bucks, but, you know... It, it, I can't imagine how people feel about that. How do you feel about it? I mean, it's an extra three bucks on top of the what one hundred and forty dollars now a year that you pay for Amazon Prime itself. So, yeah, it, it it was not a welcome surprise to have to hey, you've had ad free for years. Now we're throwing ads on you if you want them gone. Like, shouldn't you have added a different tier and left us alone? And but I don't know if I'm going to pay the three dollars. I might just deal with the commercials to to watch what's on there just because it's. I think they said it's three minutes worth per hour or something like that, which isn't terrible, but it's still having your content broken up like that, that it's when you get used to streaming and not having commercials in there, it is a bit jarring that, Hey, why is this pausing and stopping? And I'm getting an ad. Like I don't want an ad in the middle of my show. It's been nice. So I, I don't really care for it, but these streaming platforms are costing a lot of money and now they're, Starting to pass us pass that on to us, so love it, gotta love it. <laughs> but yeah, I'm, I'm not a huge fan of it. I don't know if I'll end up paying it. Yeah, I mean, it's it's definitely a conversation worth having because everything's getting more expensive, right? Like that's Everything. that's a much bigger conversation for another <laughs> podcast that we're not going to go into here. But it, it's just with the cost of everything going up, throwing an extra three bucks on something like if you break down the price of Amazon Prime over the course of a year, it's like thirteen bucks a month that you're already now adding you know, $3 a month more if you're going ad-free on Prime Video. And yeah, the benefits of Prime, like, feel how you will about it, but Prime's very convenient if you need something mm-hmm. quickly, you know what I mean? That you may not have the means to go get elsewhere, but it, you just throw that on top of it, it's like, what kind of backlash are we going to see for Prime Video at this point? But mm-hmm. to your point, they just added the NFL this 
arena recently, and maybe that's some of the cost going into it. But and the partnership that they've signed with MLB as well to help diamond groups with that. So there's definitely extra stuff that's being added that they need to cover a little bit more. But it's also talking about one of the world's largest companies as well. Sure. When it comes to profit margin and profits and everything else, like. You know, then Amazon's not exactly hurting for money right yeah, now. Yeah, not not in the least, not in the least. But we'll we'll see how it. Yeah. Normally, when these type of things happen, you will see a good amount of drops and things happen. Um, don't know how much it'll affect or hurt it, but probably see a decent amount of drops. You also had um, to kind of tag along with this. We had Hulu and Disney this week uh, put in some language about password sharing. So now we're on top of increasing prices with everything. We already had Netflix locked down. Now we got Hulu and Disney saying, don't share your passwords. And there was a quote from Netflix that gets shared on almost every post by these companies now that from, I think 2017 that says sharing a password is love. Well, they were the first ones to stop the (laughs) password sharing ability, but in the rising prices, not being able to, cause it can be convenient for, you know, me and my brother or family or someone else to split the cost of something just because there's so many services now. All of them are raising in prices. The economy is what it is right now. It's nice to be able to split that cost and share it, and now they're cracking down because not as many people are subscribing. So it's like, what do you do? The companies need to make money, but at the same time, you're hurting your consumers that are – not making as much or getting as much money because of how COVID affected everything and it's still affecting everything. So it's. Yeah. And, and it's, it definitely hurts the people who really can't afford to pay for all these services individually by themselves. Right. So you know, if, if you do pull your resources there, it looks like those days are like coming to an end for everything, which right, wrong or different feel how you feel about it, but it's going to price a lot of people out and you kind of mm-hmm. wonder long term what it's going to do for these services that have to, like at what point do they keep raising prices to the point where people just say enough and mm-hmm. it, like the whole system breaks again? You know what I mean? Just like satellite and cable was, yeah. everyone got tired. You know, I was tired of paying one hundred and seventy dollars a month for seventy channels sure. on sat on satellite and switched to streaming, and now streaming is starting to get as expensive. So it's like, hey, here's our saviors: the streaming platforms and streaming TV. Well, they're slowly finding out that. Or building back up to where everyone was breaking free before. Yeah, and it, it goes and it'll go. It, it can go into a deeper conversation about like pirating and other things like that becoming more prominent. You know what I mean? Because people are like finding ways around these things. Mm-hmm. But you know, that's we don't condone that, by the way. Nope. No. But yeah, like, but people feel like they don't have a choice, right? Because mm-hmm. it's like you know, hey, I'd love to, I'd love to absorb your content. It's not that people aren't like starved for content or like one not wanting to watch these things, but it, at some point, it's like you have to pick and choose. Yeah, you and know, you have a lot of stuff too where you know, kids are going off to college, but you know they may not be working, you're not making a whole lot of money right out of high school, and they're sharing a plan with their parents, but. You know, their parents are back home. They may be across the country at a university or something, and they're, well, we can't, you can't share a password now because you're not on the home network, and that hurts them because, you know, they can't afford to really do it on their own. They're still sharing. So it, there's some scenarios that it's just, it's going to really hurt a lot of people. For sure. And, you know, Amazon's, Amazon's just another example of doing this, right? Mm -hmm. So, I mean. We'll see how it we'll see how it works out. Yep. Now the next story kind of caught me off guard because the name that was attached to it, I had no idea she had anything to do with it. So it was announced that uh, another reboot of Buffy the Vampire Slayer is in the works. So so they tried thing back in two thousand eight to do a film that fell through. They tried again a few years back to do another reboot of it. All of those fell through, but now they're trying again. They're getting things ready to bring Buffy back, which I enjoyed the movie, which had the um, a lot of great cameos now that Absolutely. we know with Paul Rubens playing the vampire that never wanted to die. So rest in peace to him as well. Um, and then, of course, you had Sarah Michelle Gellar and that whole you know, stellar group who did the TV series. Well, all of this was announced by Dolly Parton, who produced the movie and the series. And I don't know about you, but 
I had no idea she had anything to do with Buffy. Not a clue. Like, Dolly Parton of all names. If you had told me who was involved in a vampire series, you couldn't have given me a hundred guesses to guess that Dolly Parton was involved in this. And she had a big hand in it, which is crazy. And the fact that she's the one that introduces this is is both hilarious and awesome at the same time. And don't get us wrong. Dolly Parton is an amazing woman. What she does with giving away free books to kids, everything she's done. She's an amazing woman. It just caught us off guard because you don't expect to have her name attached to Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Right. She's she's an absolute legend. But I, I love the... I love the TV show. I know the TV show uh, spun off and gave us Angel, I believe. Is, is, that, is that what spun off from the yep, TV show? Yeah, we had Angel got yeah, spawned from so that. got some amazing content out of that. But now that now that they're doing a reboot, there's obviously not a lot of information out about it mm-hmm. yet. But uh, I'm curious to see what kind of new take they could give to it. I'm both cautious. I'm, I'd say cautiously optimistic for this, mm-hmm. for sure, just because I would know absolutely nothing about what they want to do with it. Yeah, because, you know, the original kind of had some silliness to it. Do they still stick to having some humor? Do they go a little darker? Do they go, like, the supernatural route with it, which is a mix of dark and humor and everything? Like, there's different ways they can do it based off of what's come out since it's been off the air. Sure, sure. And, you know, it, it's it's one of those it's one of those things, like, it's, it's a very popular franchise. I know, like, a lot of people absolutely love the TV show. Like, mm-hmm. it's... Such an iconic TV show. The movie was great too, but I don't know. We'll we'll see. I, did they mention like where they were potentially like who's gonna like air the show? Like who's, who's no no real details at all. Just they're saying that it's still in the works and they're trying to get it off the ground and get it out there. So it's like there's nothing guaranteed with it. Um. So send all your angry letters to Dolly. Don't no, do that. don't do that. Don't do that. No. We love Dolly here. But yeah, there was no real details other than just. Dolly Parton saying that Buffy's coming back. Like, it, it was just one of those headlines that just caught you off guard because why is Dolly talking about Buffy? Well, apparently she produced both of them. Okay. I did not have that on my 2024 bingo card. I'm not going to lie to you. Yep. I really didn't. Like, that's, that's nuts. Dolly the Vampire Slayer. I love it. Queen Dolly. Let's go. Queen Dolly for life, right? I mean, she's in her 70s. She can fight vampires. I mean, just you, bring her in. you saw her performance at the Cowboys game. Oh, yeah. Like she's, still, she's still getting after it. Insane. Mm-hmm. I'd love to have that kind of energy at that age. At this age? I don't have it at this age either. But, yeah. <laughs> Life is hard. Life is hard. Um, but, like, in keeping in that horror theme, uh, Sony was talking about uh, 28 years later, finally picking up a director. It's been, uh, they're, so they're, they're taking over the rights to the film. Yep. And then they're attaching Killian Murphy to executive produce as well, which I think is awesome because there's talk that he might actually star in one of the films. I believe they said they signed on for two. Like, what what, what all have they said about it? Yeah, they, so Sony picked up to distribute it. Um, they're doing at least two films. Danny Boyle's going to direct the first one. They don't have a director set for the second one, but they're already looking like they're moving forward. But, yeah, Killian Murphy may possibly star either one or both because – you know, it's been a while since I've watched a movie, so I don't even kind of remember where his character left off. If sure. it's going to be a new character for him, since he has a, you know, it's been 20 something, you know, almost not, I don't think it's been 28 years later, but it's like 24, 25, I think, since the last one came out. It was, or it might have been early 2000, so yeah. maybe about 20, 21 years. Yeah. But. Is he playing the same character? Because, like I said, it's been so long since I've watched him. It's been almost 20 years since I've watched it. Right. Is it going to be a new character that he does, or does he even star at all? But it's nice to see him back on board on something that really hit early on in his career Mm -hmm. that got him out there with this. So I'm curious to see what they do with it. I'm excited that it's been picked up, that it's moving forward, that there's progress, and uh, I'm excited to see what they do. Me too. And his career is on fire right now. Pun somewhat intended with mm-hmm. Oppenheimer, but yeah, I mean he he's doing a lot of big things, and the fact that he's kind of going back to his roots a little bit, I think, is really cool in the sense that, you know, like you said, this is like an earlier in his career type of type of film franchise that he's coming back to. But I mean, th- that guy's been in so many iconic things, mm-hmm. and he's you know just killing the game right now from Incredible an Incredible actor, like you know, he's probably going to clean up a little bit here in award season, you know, mm-hmm. coming up, but. um the fact that he's attaching himself to this as well is is really cool, and I'm excited because I love, you know, 28 Days Later is one of my, like, low-key favorite horror films ever. And, you know, the fact that he's coming back to do it is is really cool. 
It's it's one of the ones that really got the whole zombie craze going again. Of course, we had Dawn of the Dead, and we had all of the zombie films in the 70s and 80s. Mm-hmm. But there was, of course, that little bit of a lull. And then this was around that time and with that era that we really started getting the zombie craze kicked back off again, which we had got oversaturated a bit. And it's calmed down now, and so now we're kind of heading back into it. So mm-hmm. it's curious to see how they take what they did before and bring a more modern take on it because sure you know 20 years has passed there's a lot of change in the film industry to see how they approach doing it now do they try to keep it more low budget and match you know the originals to try to keep that same feel or do does it get a gigantic budget and go too over the top like it's it's definitely going to be interesting to see how they approach and go about it but they got killian they got danny boyle back they've got the right people behind it um um hope hopeful and optimistic that it's going to be good Absolutely, and it's definitely one that we'll see and review, I'm sure, at some point on the podcast, for sure, when it comes out. Yep. Yep. Yeah, speaking about something terrifying now, Dogman is a graphic novel for kids that my girls absolutely love, and it was just announced next year it's getting uh, animated film adaptation. So for all the parents out there, we got another movie to watch next year. So I don't know a whole lot about the series. I know it revolves around a dog and a human who somehow merged to be a dog man and he's a police officer going around my girls have read just about all of them and i think there's also one that they've spun off with a cat um i don't know my girl i've got them for my girls i haven't touched them with them they just burn through those graphic novels like crazy but i know they're going to be excited that dog man is coming with an animated feature next year so when you when you say that because i'm not, I'm not going to pretend like i know anything about dog man but when you when you describe it, it reminds me of like the old Nickelodeon show Cat Dog. Mm-hmm. Is, it, is it one of those types of things where it's like fused together and he's like half half man, half dog, or at least looking at the covers of the graphic novels and I flipped through it. I mean, he's a dog standing up like a human wearing a police officer that's actually, outfit. That's actually pretty cool. It's actually pretty but, cool. But um, um, it, it's one of those. It, it could be one of those things. Like I love that a y- the younger generation is getting like something like this that seems to be in you know growing in popularity that we'll get like film representation and, you know, cause we've, we've had so many things from our youth and, you know, so every generation has like these types of things that gets made into the films and people fall in love with it. And mm-hmm. like, I love that, that something like that is getting made for them. That's kind of like an original property. That's, mm-hmm. you know, not something attached to, I don't think they're attached to any bigger, like bigger studios or yep. bigger worlds. You know what I mean? It, it feels, it could feel potentially like, I don't want to go shoot as high and say like Harry Potter esque, mm-hmm. as big as Harry Potter was, but it does. I've I've definitely heard of it, and the fact that I've heard of it and I don't have kids of my own like is is telling just how popular those graphic novels are. So it's it, it's kind of cool. I'm, I'll be excited to check it out. Yeah. Although being you know a kid of the eighties and nineties, whenever I say Dogman. Duffman pops in my head from The Simpsons, so I want to go, Dogman! Oh, yeah! No, it's not The Simpsons. It's Dogman. I just, anything that's in remotely close to Duffman, I get Duffman in my head, you can't and I can't get him out. I mean, Phil Hartman was the best, man. It was, yeah. He was the best. He was the best. He really was. Um, to kind of wrap up here, we want to give a Big shout out to Godzilla Minus One. It just ended its run. If you didn't check out our review of Minus Color, the black and white version, you can check that out um, in episode four. But it ended its run as the third highest grossing form film of all time in the United States, which is amazing. Originally, when they put Godzilla Minus One out here in the States, they were expecting it to run for one week. Yeah. And instead, it's crossed $100 million and ran for what? Three to four months. It it got a standard release, even the re-release with the minus color version, which we raved about. But if you want to hear more, go back to episode four. But it's it's just amazing to see that movie, which we adored, do so well when they had such low expectations of bringing it to America. Now it's a third highest grossing of all time. Yeah, I mean, foreign language films on their own don't typically fare like super well in mm-hmm. the, in the U.S. for you know of um variety of different reasons that we won't go into here but the it speaks to how good the film was and like i know we we talked about it here ad nauseum about how good of 
we felt the film was, but it picked up that much word of mouth that it, it got to stick around longer and have a proper run in the theaters and did as well as it did. It, it's unbelievable because that movie made incredible profit just based off the amount of you know money they poured into the film initially and the fact that they made their budget back yeah, which was apparently 10 times over. under $15 million. Yeah. It was reported at 15 and the director said, I wish I had that much. So we don't, I don't think we exactly know how much right. they spent on marketing and the film and everything, but he made it seem like it was under $15 million. And U.S. alone making $100 million. I didn't see what it did overseas in Japan and everything else, but just $100 million over here alone is amazingly big down i hope he gets another chance to do another godzilla like he um i saw a statement from him saying that it would be sad if he saw someone else continuing on sure the toho godzilla here because of course we do have the you know big budget american godzilla versus kong coming but you know that japanese toho godzilla like i i hope if the, when they do another one he gets another chance to bring us. It was, Absolutely. it was a great job, and now they know that hey, we can make some money in America on it. So maybe it'll make even more next time. I hope so. I hope yeah. so. So now we want to jump into our TV review for the week, which is episode three of the Apple TV series Masters of the Air. So we we kind of introduced it last week with the first two episodes that dropped. Episode three dropped this past week. I really, really enjoy the direction episode three goes because it definitely picks up the action and it's a very action-themed, almost completely air-centric episode. Mm -hmm. Like, almost the entire episode takes place in the air. How did you feel about it? I thought the action was incredible. Like, we had Top Gun Maverick that gave us some amazing visuals when it came to flying and fights and stuff, but this, you know, a lot of that was practical. There was some CG and stuff to it. You know, this is highly CG. I don't know how much they actually filmed with, you know, trying to do older planes. It's sure. not going to really be able to do as much as they did, but it looked incredible. Like, just the way you felt dread and fear for every single plane up. Like, you had no idea who would be safe, who could be safe, what was happening. Just the visuals of the fight scene, like it, that was majority of the episode. Mm -hmm. But the the look of that, you know, it's, it's an actual um, event from the war that they're recreating here. So just having th that knowledge and looking at what happened here, like visually and emotionally, it was, it was really good in that way. Like you were, I was glued to the screen like, Who's going down? What's happening? Who is this happening to? But just visually, it was stunning to watch that air combat. Yeah, they definitely they definitely played up how serious the stakes were for mm -hmm. the mission, right? It was such a serious mission that they have to throw, you know, a, a ton of different, you know, flight crews and everything to go on this one particular run, which was just insane in, in scope, right? So you have to deal with, you know, we're going to dive a little bit into, like, some of the details of the episode here, but, like, you know, some of the characters that are, like, in positions of power joining up with flight crews to help make sure this mission's successful. You know, you have, you know, Austin Butler leading his crew, and it, it, it felt like the stakes were very high from the jump. And it really played out really well in the episode, I think, because, mm -hmm. to your point, like, you're, you're kind of on the edge of your seat because in the first two episodes, they do such a good enough job of getting you to care about these characters now that they've established, you know, hey, you're supposed to care about these people, but now the stakes are real, right? Mm -hmm. So you're up in the air, and you're still doing these daytime bombing runs that, you know, is kind of the, the a talking point for them to begin with, but they're mm -hmm. still going on these daytime bomb runs and just getting absolutely ambushed and how they maneuver that and how they make it there and, you know, issues with the one of the planes, you know, potentially not making it to the to the checkpoint that they need to reach to and some of the drama around that and how they deal with, you know, the dynamic of, you know, people in the crew wanting to bail out versus other people kind of forcing them to stay with it, stick with the mission. Like they, they, they touch on a lot of really, a really good stuff from like a war perspective too. It right? really shows you how tough it would be to be a leader, a major, somebody who's sure. making those calls. Like you're up there flying a plane with somebody and they're scared and they want to just, go but you're trying and they're over enemy territory right. so you're leading these 
10, you know, I think each plane shown with this episode about 10 people on it. Mm-hmm. So you got 10 lives in your hands and you're trying to decide what the best aspect is when they're, they're scared and they want to go and they want to bail out. But you are like, no, we need to do this, do that. Keeping that calm and cool, like for the, the real life people who had to do that. Like it's, it's hard for me, especially with these World War II, not to try to look at the realness of what actually happened mm-hmm. absolutely, and to see like, yeah, you had to make this call and sometimes it doesn't work out, which we saw in this episode and we see it do work out and just being the one who makes that call and seeing when it fails was heartbreaking. And when you see that it succeeds, you could see that look among the crew, like, okay, we trust you sure that you're the right guy to be commanding us. So, and that, that was a great outside of, you know, the whole episode majority of the episode being the action sequence of the, in the air, you did get that dynamic between of still building those relationships and those characters through their actions and their emotions and what was happening to them. So I, I did enjoy that aspect that you've got that little deepening of their connection together based on, you know, what happened. Yeah, and they do a, and they do a good job also of making you care about like some of the side stories that are going on too. Because yeah. obviously there's the main story there, but one of the characters that does bail out lands in, you know, I, w- I want to say more neutral territory mm-hmm. maybe, and is trying to navigate getting to a safer spot, right, or getting help with that. And there's you know some potential, I don't know, low key romantic maybe, maybe not kind of implications there, and just interesting to see where they go with that because. Judging by the preview of the next episode, there's, mm-hmm. you know, they're definitely expanding upon that, and they're doing a good job of consistently rolling over from episode to episode, making it feel coherent and, you know, a collective story that doesn't really seem to like veer off the beaten path too much, which which I really appreciate because yep. they're not going completely out in left field, but they're kind of sticking to the core story with a little bit of, you know, a little bit of nuanced side storytelling going on. Well, which I really appreciate. Yeah, they, they definitely opened up a few new interesting threads that are going on that can get us deeper into other aspects of the war time to see kind of how a different perspective added to not just seeing everything with the air. Now we're going to get a different perspective of one of these, you know, some of these guys in different areas. So it's, it's definitely curious to see how they keep going. I think, you know, so this will be episode four. I believe there's nine altogether. So there's still quite a lot of story to build to. Mm -hmm. So they, they're opening up some new threads and getting us deeper into caring about these soldiers in this war, but also now expanding us a little bit more into to more aspects of the war. So I'm, I'm it I'm hooked already. Absolutely. I've enjoyed it. Like it is a slow burn still. Like you you have while it's great action, there still is a slowness to it. But it's it's really wanting you to understand the weight of what happened, of what they're going through, to really connect with these characters, to know their story and the perils and stuff they went through. So it's in, in that way, if you're, you're giving all in to caring about these characters, mm-hmm. it's going to get you hooked. One of my, one of my favorite from the sides, from one of the main side stories is the guy, the guy lands in the, in the neutral territory. And a, one of the, one of the people there come up to him and say, you, you've got two choices, right? So mm-hmm. you can either surrender now to you know the German authorities, I guess, and per the Geneva Conventions, you'll live. You're guaranteed to live, but you'll be a prisoner of war. Even though they can't legally, there are some there are some implications there. Like, do you feel safe enough knowing that if you do surrender, you'll probably live? But if you choose to run and try to run to safety, like you run the risk of being killed, you'll be treated as a you know a spy and you'll be shot on sight. And what's your decision? Like, what decision do you make? And they kind of kind of leave it like what's he gonna pick but like it, it was such a cool like to your point they, they, they make the stakes very real like these are your two options here buddy like what are you gonna do yeah because even that scene he could have been shot on site without ever being talked to like could have yeah um so and then that like you said we it opens up some interesting threads for the next episode to see what happens there um for sure and um and and you know with there being you know six more episodes to go now at this point. So we're, we just finished three. So there's six more episodes, there's a lot of story to be told. And, you know, hopefully you guys join us for this journey too, because like, we're going to be watching it every week and I'm really excited to you know see where they ultimately wind up and who all makes it, who all doesn't. And 
what the end result of this story is going to be. Yep. Those typically don't always notoriously have happy endings. So yep. we'll, we'll, we'll see how it ends. We're talking about one in World War II, about that era. Like it's a lot of, I don't want to say insane, just it's heavy. It's sure something that reshaped our planet. So like yep. having these stories from that time, like with Band of Brothers, the Pacific, now to these and other, you know, Saving Private Ryan and others that have told us through that, like, there still isn't, to me, that oversaturation to the point, like, you just don't care about it because it's it's based off of real events. So you've got to have that that heart to you that, sure. you know, these are made up or they're, you know, they're just expanding. They might be based off of true rage or true stories, but, you know, they have those embellishes stuff to it. But you're still connected for me because of, you know, being a history buff and everything else you know, having that connection to the real world is, you know, really enthralling to these series to keep me engaged in it. For sure. It's heavy and, and I love it so far. So yeah. Speaking of something that is not heavy, we're gonna head into our Argyle review. So Argyle, if you've seen the trailers for it, it's a silly over the top spy action comedy by Matthew Vaughn. You have a star studded cast in Bryce Dallas Howard, Henry Cavill, Dua Lipa, Sam Rockwell, uh, Ariana DeBois, John Cena, Samuel L. Jackson, Catherine O'Hara, Brian Cranston, like star studded cast. So it follows the exploits of a best selling espionage author who. Her stories end up paralleling, da, 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 see, words, I butcher them. Always, he's the word butcher. <laughs> so it parallels the real world sure. a little too much where this organization is coming after her because she's telling these real life stories a little too much and we got some twists and turns and a bunch of other stuff that happens, but... This is one we definitely have to say you have to go in. What you see in the trailers should hopefully set you up enough that this is an over-the-top, silly, cheesy movie that it's aware that it's silly, cheesy, and over-the-top. And I actually had a ton of fun with it because it's it's one of those palate cleansers like we kind of said with the beekeeper. Well, the beekeeper was, you know, trying to be serious and we got some silliness in it. This is we're just going all out to the wall, like over the top and just go along and have fun with it. And I did. Sure. And and I think if you haven't watched it or if you're on the fence on, on seeing it, you're kind of doubting it by the trailer. Like if you go into, if you go into the film with the expectation that it is a very meta take on a spy thriller, mm-hmm. like you're probably going to have a lot more fun. Like Matthew Vaughn, who did incredible work with the Kingsman films, it's shot in a very Kingsman-esque way. Mm-hmm. Not to spoil it some, but there is some Kingsman-esque tie-ins to the film. If, if you're a fan of those, definitely go see that. But it, it's shot in a very similar way. It doesn't take itself too seriously, but they, they do a they do a really fun job of telling that story and you know the whole who really who's the real agent, you know, Argyle, you know, and and how that story plays out. And like you said, some of the silly twists and turns, like it was a lot of fun. We had we had fun watching it. It is absurd. It is silly. It, Absolutely absurd. There, there are some cringy type moments in the mm-hmm. film, but it, it knows that going in, right? So yeah, all of it seems purposely done. Like it knows it's cringy. It's over the top. It's like all, all the actors are in on it. The characters are in on it. Like everybody is aware. Like hey, we are over the top, and it just made for so much fun. It's one of those where I feel like if you're having a bad day or a bad week or something else, and you just need something that's just going to to lighten your mood a bit and just make you laugh or something else so this is a perfect type of movie for that that just it's going to entertain you in the most absurd silly way sure and it, uh, you know talking before we before we started recording this i meant i made the, the you know illusion of this is one of those films that you could put on in the background while you're like cleaning the house and you don't have to pay a ton of attention to you could you can enjoy it. it's one of those it's one of those types of films if that makes sense to you know people that love to have things on in the background it's perfect for that right so it's it's one of those like you don't necessarily have to pay attention maybe pay attention the first time you watch it but it's it's definitely worth uh, it's definitely worth a little bit of your time to check it out for sure because we we had a lot of fun with it 
it, it doesn't take itself too seriously. There's some really, really dumb things that happened in that mm-hmm. film that we just had. We just, you and I were both cracking up watching it. And, and that's the thing about something like this is that it knows it's being that ridiculous. Yes. So it wants you to laugh at that. Like there's some movies where they're actually trying to be serious and you're laughing at how ridiculous it was. This one's like, we're doing it because we know it's going to make you laugh. Like it's going to be that celebrity time. Like, yeah, I was enthralled with it. Like it, it, it had me gripped just because I was having so much fun with it. I'm also an, you know, an aspiring author. So having that side of it, of dealing with mm-hmm. an author's mind and how we process ideas and other stuff with having that creative mind, it really touched base with me because, yep, I see, yep, I, I can see all these aspects that they're playing up from, you know, Bryce Dallas Howard's characters, um, Ellie, how, her character is doing things, and I, I totally got that. So I think that aspect with me was really bringing me into the film more, which I was wanting to pay attention to everything all the time because, like, it's fun. It's silly. It's It just left the theater having a good time, and what else could you really ask for from film, which is entertainment, right. to walk out having really enjoyed yourself? Yeah, it was it was definitely entertaining, and I think it, I think it really hit the mark on that. If you're on the fence and seeing it because... You know, the Kingsman films are notoriously bloody, violent, mm-hmm. uh, a little over the top, like, with the blood and the violence. Like, it, it's an action film that has a lot of those same, like, I would say it's violent but not bloody. Like, mm-hmm. there wasn't a ton of, there was, really wasn't any, like, significant I mean, amount of blood in the film. It's or anything violent like in yeah. ways, but violent in a silly way. So, like, yeah, it wasn't bloody, but it, it was, it's hard to describe it because yeah. it, it was violent, but you didn't get, Violent, violent. Yeah, it wasn't over the top. But, that, that's the one thing about it that wasn't over the top. <laughs> but if you enjoyed the Kingsman's movies, I would think you would like to. I actually think this actually is a pretty good date night movie for like sure. me and my wife saw it together. That it was it was a ton of fun to go see as a couple to go see because there was a, some romance in it. There was action. There was a few twists, which, like I said, because I was so just... I'm letting it go because it's so absurd and over the top that I didn't fully see the twist coming. Like, you didn't even go back and look at it. Yeah, it's obvious this and this and this. But it was because I was just letting myself be entertained by the absurdity. That, and I was paying attention to the story, but it was just like, okay, what absurd thing are you doing next? Like, I'm more expecting them to throw gigantic curveball at you, which they threw a couple, but and it was fun and well done. And I really enjoyed Like, Sam Rockwell... He's good in just about everything. Like, he is such a great actor. He played the kind of serious straight man with humor to it too. Like especially towards the end, without giving thing away about some of these scenes, like the smile on his face and some of the sequences was just so silly and goofy. But it just cracked me up because you know there's one where him and Bryce Dallas Howard is just smiling at each other in this big goofy grin way. That was just like oh, this is very well coordinated fight scene. Yeah, very, like, the fight scenes, when they get into the major ones, are so well choreographed. They're amazingly over-the-top, bright, colorful, insane sequences. Like, we had, he had those sequences in The Kingsman, of course, more violent in The Kingsman, because those were serious but silly and over-the-top. And this this definitely feels very similar, but much more over-the-top, but... I had a blast with it. They definitely turned. They definitely took those elements and took that serious slider and turned it pretty much all the way down. And turned the absurd all yeah, the way yeah, up. Yeah, yeah. It's a little little <laughs> tweaks here and there, but it was it was a ton of fun. We had a, we had a good time watching it, and it's still in theaters. So if you want to go check it out, please please take the time to go see the film and make yeah. uh, you know make make the opinions of these films yourselves. Like we'll talk about it, but like we always say, we're we're always going to advocate for people to. Go to the theater, see these films in person if you can. This would be a perfect, I think, candidate if your if your local theater does a discount day. Mm-hmm. If you can swing it, like I know our film, our theater does, you know, five dollar Tuesdays, I believe, or yep. something similar, some something similar to that. Perfect for that. So, because yeah, if you looked at, the, if you just go off of what a reviewer says right now, I think on Rotten Tomatoes, it's in the thirties. Sure. For Rotten, and if we would have went off of that and decided that we weren't going to review or to go see it. I would have missed out on a movie I had a really fun with. Like mm-hmm. everybody can have a different opinion, and then they may have gone in wanting something different. Or you know, if cheesy, over the top stuff isn't your bag, you may not enjoy it. But if you can let your mind kind of go and just let the absurdity and silliness 
take over, you'll have a blast with it. Like, I think it's it's a, a well-done, silly film. Like, I think Matthew Vaughn did a great job with the film for what, like, it's clearly this is... Because they once they hit the gas, they don't let off. No. And, like, some of the special effects were rough, but I also think that was... Kind of the part of it because it was supposed to just show how ludicrous and over the top this world is mm-hmm. by doing it that way. But like, if if we would have went off of kind of where the the critic consensus is right now, many people may not go see this, but we think it can be fun enough that it deserves a, a viewing. So always make your own opinion on stuff. Take Absolutely. what everyone says, take the bits and pieces that you think relates to you. And form your opinion about if you should go or not. Just don't let, oh, it's 30%. I'll wait till it's on streaming. Well, at least give it a watch. But don't always let the critics and us or anybody else tell you must see something or not see something. Because you yeah. can miss out on something fun. Yeah, don't rob yourself of, of a potentially great experience. I've found a lot of times some of my favorite movies of all time did not perform well on the Rotten Tomatoes aggregate, mm-hmm. right? And, and it's, it's, a, it's a decent enough barometer for how people feel feel about a film but it's not it's definitely not the end all be all because like i said some of my favorite movies ever didn't perform that well and there's some films that performed really well on there that we didn't care for sure so it's all in the end based on how you feel with the movies like everyone has their preferred genres preferred actors what they like and so you know we we do enjoy a large variety of film and Absolutely. TV and everything else. But there's stuff that we differ on that I enjoyed that he didn't, that he enjoyed that I didn't, or that we both didn't like, but critically everybody loves that we just didn't get. But it's t- take what you want from what they say, but see something at least once so you can see if sure. it might be your new favorite movie. Yeah, it could. And there's nothing wrong. Or you might hate it, and we enjoyed Argyle, but hey, you went and saw it. You didn't have enjoying it. That stinks, but we had fun with it. Yeah, and if you've seen it and you have a, you have an opinion on it you want to share with us, please feel free to comment in our videos. Uh, join our Discord. We have a Discord out there. The link will be in the description of the video to that. Come talk movies with us. We'll, yep. We'd love to have a dialogue with anybody that's willing to talk about it. And, you know, let us know whether you liked it or you didn't. So we look forward to that interaction as well. Yeah, because we'd love to hear what you thought about Argo. Because it's going to have polarizing opinions just because of how absurd it is. If you don't like that stuff, you're not going to like it. Let us know what you didn't like. Let us know what you did like. And and we, we'd love to discuss it with you. Yeah, we welcome all sorts of interactions and conversations that you'd like to have around it. So if you see us posting about something, leave a comment. We typically, re- we typically reply to just about everything that comes our way. So... As long yeah. as you're being civil and yeah, of course, keeping it yeah, 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 keeping it nice. Yeah, we'll 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 dialogue with anybody for sure. Like I love it. Yeah, so th- that was Argyle. But as you know, the calendar moves forward. There's always movies coming out each and every week. So coming to theaters this week is Lisa Frankenstein, which is a horror comedy film directed by Zelda Williams, the daughter of the late great Robin Williams. Mm-hmm. Um, interested to maybe see that one I, I don't know i'm kind of on the fence i'm kind of on the fence with that yes and some of these like both of them coming out this week it's kind of hit or miss if our theaters are getting them too they're smaller releases mm-hmm. but uh, lisa frankenstein does look interesting it's kind of a horror comedy mm-hmm. i would almost from the trailer gives me a Shaun of the dead type of vibes to it a yeah. little bit you know american along with a little bit of edward scissorhands mixed in with how he was acting so it might be interesting to check out if we're able to check it out sure it's it's definitely one of those we're in that we're in that i don't want to call it a lull period for cinema but like not a lot of the major major studios are putting out a ton of films this time of year i mean we we have that coming up towards the end of the month yeah we're starting I mean, to the ramp up weeks it's starting to ramp up a little bit which we're both very excited for but mm-hmm. it is kind of a little bit of those like these are the times of year where studios take you know films that they're kind of on the fence on and just kind of throw them out there and see how they perform right yep. and you never know when one's going to hit so we're excited about that um, coming out uh, also is out of darkness i believe this film was shot in 2022 but it's finally coming out as well it's a prehistoric horror film i don't know if you saw the trailer for that or not yep. but it's it's definitely one that could also be coming out i don't know how wide of a release it's getting but if it's in the theaters as well and you're interested in that sort of thing go ahead and check it out for sure yep. um coming to streaming services though i believe is a movie called upgraded coming to amazon prime this week it's out on the 9th of february and uh sonic coast i think is what it's called yeah sun coast or 
Something like that. Suncoast? Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Coming out on Hulu this week as well. So there's definitely some new films to check out on digital as well, since it is kind of a lighter week for film. Yep. Yeah, digital release-wise, it's a little lighter, but one that we haven't been able to check out yet that I'm really excited to check out on streaming now is American Fiction will be available on demand for sale on February or February 6th. Close enough. So, close enough. It's out this week. You can get it on the 8th. You don't have to get it on the 6th. <laughs> but that's, you know, many awards coming from it. Yes. Talk a lot of buzz and talk about it. We just didn't have the chance to get out to theaters and see it. So, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm really looking forward to checking that out at home now. And if you are on the edge of seeing the Marvels and didn't want to buy it on digital, it will be streaming on Disney Plus on February 7th. So, you can check it out and see what you're opinion. Because that's another movie that's very polarizing very. to people if they like it or not. We had fun with it. It... You know, it's quite different from the first Captain Marvel and takes sure. it to a different place, but we really enjoyed it. So if if you're on the edge, if, if you actually want to see it or not or care about it from, you know, the backlash and the reviews, you can now check it out and stream it on Disney Plus as long as you're a subscriber. Absolutely. Both that, but that's definitely worth a watch. I'm definitely excited for American Fiction as well. Yeah. That, like you said, is getting a lot of award show buzz. It's, it's one that I kind of kick myself for not getting to watch mm-hmm. in a the theater, but I'm very excited, and I will be checking that out this week for sure. Yep. But we're starting to get into the TV time. So because of the actor strike and the writer strike, everything got delayed. Sure. So we've had a lot of series that haven't been coming out. So now we're, you know, February and March here, we're getting a lot of premieres from our regular, you know, broadcast television to streaming. So one thing we missed talking about last week was the new Mr. and Mrs. Smith series on Mm -hmm. Amazon Prime. It debuted on February 2nd, which we're looking forward to checking out. Now, I haven't watched any of it yet. I don't know if you've seen any of it. But I'm looking forward to checking that out. Maybe we'll talk about it on an upcoming episode. Yeah, you throw Donald Glover in just about anything. I'm gonna I'm gonna at least give it a look because I love, you know, Community. I love um, ATL. Mm-hmm. It, was a, it was a brilliant show as well. Um, and I'm definitely looking forward to checking this out. I haven't checked it out yet, but yeah. it's one of those. It's not a weekly drop. They drop the entire season mm-hmm. at once, so it's one of those you could sit and binge. Most of the episodes run from about. Your typical standard 45 minutes to an hour, depending on the episode. But Mr. and Mrs. Smith, it's an action series, obviously. If you remember the Brad Pitt and Angelina Jolie film, it's another take on that. Mm-hmm. So definitely, definitely excited to check that one out for sure. Yep. Yeah, coming back on broadcast television, we have The Connors, Not Dead Yet, and Abbott Elementary returned to ABC on February 7th. Um, if you're a gamer, the this one was another that's a little polarizing, the first season, and didn't get great reviews. I was kind of mixed on it, just I've played all the games in the Halo series. The series was a little mixed with how they decided to handle a few things. They've talking up the second season, like they've listened to some feedback, and they're really... Going to hit the ground running. So Halo Season 2 will be on Paramount Plus February 8th. Um, I'm, I'm definitely going to check it out, but I don't. If, if it doesn't grab me right away, it might be something that I just I can't get into because the first season had its flaws, but sure. I, they, tr- they tried well with it. But, you know, there's a lot of changes from the games that they made that just didn't stick well with a lot of fans. Yeah, and it's, it's one of those at least worth checking out and seeing if it's anything that might capture your imagination and so yeah, definitely, definitely give it a chance to check out. I'm excited that a ton of TV stuff is coming back mm-hmm. because it's it, it's been really lacking on regular television for a while, mm-hmm. and it's exciting to see all these shows coming back. I know CBS is dropping their big like return to television right after the Super Bowl, which will be this weekend by the time you're listening to this episode. So once yep. the Super Bowl is done, network TV is just really just going to start really taking off, and all these shows are coming back. And that'll lead me to talk about what we're going to do with our podcast next week. Since it is such a big return for television, we're going to give you our 2024 television preview of stuff that we're looking forward to coming in 2024. I know we'll have another episode of Masters of the Air that we're going to talk about as well. Uh, We might touch on Mr. and Mrs. Smith like we mentioned before. I'm going to try to watch as much of the season, if not the entire season, as I can in the next week so we can talk about it. And then talk about some other shows that we're really looking forward to coming down the pipeline starting in February and beyond. There's a lot of really, really big uh, returns to TV, some new series, 
Like, uh, and we'll talk about all of that next week for sure. Yep. Yeah. Big, big TV episode next week. A lot to talk about with the spring schedule, spring and summer schedule coming up, especially after the lay. So there, there's a lot of new series that I'm really looking forward to that I'm, I want to dive into. Absolutely. And we'll, we'll have that for you next week, but that break does bring us to the end of episode five. And we want to thank you so much for all of the kind words, the support, the interactions you've given us. The response has been incredible. We're so thankful for everything you guys have said, positive and otherwise about the show. And we take all of your feedback to heart to try to make this podcast better each and every week. So please join us next week. Follow us on all of our socials. If you're on YouTube watching us, like and subscribe, leave a comment. If you're listening to us in any of the audio realms, please give us a review. We'd love it if you would give us a five-star review. Anything you could do to help boost the profile of the show, we would absolutely love and appreciate for sure. And any other socials or anything else you want to know about us, head over to we'llbringthepopcorn.com. You can find everywhere we're at, including our Discord, our Patreon, anything else that you want to know about us, you can find over there. Absolutely. So with that being said, we will see you next week for Episode 6 of We'll Bring the Popcorn. That's Brad. I'm Josh. Thank you so much, and we'll see you next week.